game. Did you say Monday Night Show? This looks like a great game. You mind if I give it a shot? Shut up, sucker! It's time to begin. Light the hot metal of fire and sin. We're burning in the bikes, we're flying to the end. Beat my high score and I'll beat you again. Yeah, we are live. Welcome in, everyone. It is the Audible, the FootballGuys.com podcast. Cecil Lammy, Sigmund Bloom with our draft recap starting in the North Bloom. It's fantastic to be back here with our yearly tradition. Actually, how this show started was, uh, you know, draft stuff, draft talk, draft recap. So here we go again from 2006 to 2020, the Audible going strong. It's like the reset on the NFL year um, at Football Guys it's when we truly open up the shutters and it's looking to the future, and it's what we all need right now. Looking to the future, and see what I love most about the draft, it is the keyholes, the doors open. We don't just have to peek through keyholes because we get a clear picture of what the current regime values in players, maybe some inferences about what they think about their future and their uh, current state of depth charts. And it's fun because in some ways we're psychoanalyzing these teams based on their picks. Right. Well, and we don't even need to peek through keyholes because we're in everybody's house. Yeah. For the draft. Like, literally. The yeah. draft. Like it was, uh, you know, Belichick's dog, uh, Cliff Kingsbury with the ultimate flex and then Jerry Jones being like, what do you mean? House? I'm a freaking 500 foot yacht or however big that thing is. Like, so just before we jump in again, you know, we got a zillion things yeah. to get to bloom, but it was one, something we needed, right? As sports fans, as a society, uh, obviously ratings off the hook, but I, I think just the, NFL in general, which some people had said at a certain time, like, don't do this, and it's tone deaf, like, no, the the messages they sent, the way that it was, you know, responding to what's going on, uh, just the reaction of sports fans seeing, I, I mean, I think from a Roger Goodell perspective, like, he got a much better look, he looks human, Yeah, <laughs> right? When you're in somebody's home, they look human, Belichick running around, dog at the table, Elway doing the raise the roof thing, it's very awkward, uh, but like, it was just, it was so good, Bloom. It was so refreshing. We're hardcore guys, of course, but I mean, I think it was good for uh, sports fans, just kind of us in general. Yeah, we're stuck. Uh, everything is stuck right now in time, but the draft shows us there will be a future and we can start to picture it. We can start to look forward to it. As you said, it humanized the league. There was some talk even that some of the brass preferred this, getting to be at home, getting to spend time with their families. Right. Um, also, uh, I, I think that things to celebrate. You know, see, I, I see as we'll take a bike ride or a walk sometimes, the signs on the front lawn saying congratulations to a high school senior who's heading off to wherever, Old Miss or LSU. You know, there's still these things to celebrate. There's still accomplishments to celebrate. And uh, it was still obviously very emotional for a lot of these players. So that's good to see. I think that that human part of the draft that we've always talked about yeah. is something that they played up more in the coverage. Maybe to the misery side a little much. But the point is uh, we're humans. And certainly if you can humanize Roger Cadell, you've done something. You have accomplished something in life. Well, let's accomplish this, talking about this draft class. And looking over the Chicago Bears and everything that they did, of course, no first-round pick. So in the second round, they go Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame. Of course, Bloom, they've been trying to find an answer at tight end. 
He was arguably the best tight end in this class. It's not a great class, uh, but he was there. He's their pick. He'll be working behind Jimmy Graham. I thought the second round pick of Jalen Johnson was really good. There was discussion about him being perhaps a late first round pick, and certainly he's a feisty corner out of Utah, tough guy as well. Travis Gibson, defensive end from Tulsa in the fifth round, three fifth rounders, and Kendall Vildor, cornerback from Georgia Southern, and Darnell Mooney, wide receiver from Tulane. And there were only three people, I believe, Bloom, that ran under a four, three, nine, forty. Mooney was one of them, so obviously get a bunch of speed. CU product, Arlington Hambright, guard in the round seven, and then Lacavia Simmons uh, as the seventh-round guard from Tennessee State. So the Chicago draft, a little odd, of course. No first-round pick, no third-round pick, no fourth-round pick. They did get their third bumped up to a second in the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, first and foremost, an obsession about tight ends. You know, they signed Jimmy Graham. They draft Cole Komet. Cole Komet is a serviceable player. Like you said, it's not a great tight end class. He has some straight line speed. He has a big frame. He's not that flexible or fluid. He can be a serviceable blocker. He can be a baseline level starter. Not necessarily what you're looking for in the second round, but it was a weak class. And this team, what do they have? Nine or ten tight ends on the roster now. Um, Jalen Johnson's a really nice pick. Yeah. And, and th- this was a, a player that a lot of people had going in the first round. And he's a good fit for what Chicago does on defense. He should start right away. You know, they signed Artie Burns. I think they had a few other guys, holdovers, Tolliver. Uh, and I know even with an abbreviated offseason, you would expect him to start right away. Some IDP value there. And he's a great press outside corner. Now, the thing is going into this draft, they had a need at outside corner, they had a need at safety, and they had a need at guard. They addressed one of those, okay? Uh, Jermaine Effetti is going to start at guard, probably, or, or Coward. Um, I'm not sure who's going to start at safety. There are a lot of veteran safeties out there, maybe someone like Eric Reed. They didn't address those positions. They did get a developmental pass rusher in Gibson. Uh, they did get another corner to stash away. Uh, in the Georgia Southern kid. And then they got Darnell Mooney. And of course he's, you know, I'm down here in New Orleans. So we're going to talk about uh, Kendall Vilder. Uh, we're going to talk about Darnell Mooney. Just loose athleticism, speed. They don't have Taylor Gabriel anymore. So that was an immediate, uh, transition maybe. Uh, we'll see what kind of role they can carve out for him. And then as you mentioned, they got, uh, uh the left tackle for Colorado in the seventh round, but, you know, again, this draft is about Khalil Mack, and this draft is about what this team can do. They got Nick Foles. It's really they're only able to make some minor adjustments. I think Johnson's going to help this team get better right away, but there's still some holes and some potential weak spots on this team that they did not address, partially because they didn't have the picks to. Well, they had some undrafted picks, and on this show, if I remember, we always go over the undrafted players for each team, and not a ton in terms of skill positions, three guys, uh, but Artavis Pierce, running back, Oregon State, lots of speed, can find a crease. He seems to be the one guy to look out here for Bloom. If there's anybody from the PFAs for the Bears that you like, who is it? Well, there's Ahmad Wagner who uh, played basketball at Iowa, kind of a wide receiver, tight end, tweener 
just a guy just named a stash away. Interesting to get Badara Torore from LSU, the backup offensive tackle from LSU. You know, we see, we've seen it with backup running backs. Being a backup at LSU doesn't mean you don't have an NFL future. Right. And then Khalil Mack's little brother, Ladarius. So, you know, gets to be the big brother, maybe see if Ladarius can develop into something for the Bears. Well, let's talk about developing into something. And did you really need the pencil in your ear at home, dude? Like, seriously, <laughs> Matt Patricia, smartest guy in the room. Just ask him. Uh, I have a pen around here. Like, I should do this whole Lions wonder. Like, see, doesn't this make me look smarter? It makes me look like uh, you rarely see me anymore. But remember when the Bluetooth headsets were first mm-hmm. a thing, Bloom? Mm-hmm. And then everybody, even I myself, I was guilty of it, you know, and wearing the Bluetooth headset. Excuse me, I'm important to call. But yeah, uh, Matt Patricia, take the pencil out, dude. You're at home. Uh, anyway, so the Lions, even though I can't stand Matt Patricia and generally the way that franchise ends up with their players, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, it's pretty disappointing. But this, this draft was not disappointing. Uh, certainly up at the top, Jeff Okuda, best corner in this class. I don't care what you say. That's CJ Henderson, chess better. Uh huh. You don't play football in shorts. And a t-shirt. Uh, Jeff Okuda, the best corner in this draft. There is a clear delineation between him and everybody else. I don't care if that's Henderson. I don't care if it's Trevon Diggs, whoever. Okuda there. Number one pick, uh, number three overall. DeAndre Swift. Beautiful, special, amazing, natural, instinctive. Also very good as a receiver out of the backfield. He's their best back. He steps into the starting role to make up for what carry on Johnson. Has not done. Round three, Julian Aquara, edge from Notre Dame. Also Jonah Jackson, guard from Ohio State. Round four, Logan Steinberg, guard from Kentucky. Round five, Quintus Cephas from Wisconsin. Plenty to get to there. Jason Huntley, running back from New Mexico State in the fifth round as well. John Bassini, defensive tackle of Utah. And Jayshon Cornell, defensive tackle from Ohio State, rounding them out in the seventh round. Kind of a buy the book draft. You you can see it isn't like we learn anything new about Detroit. We just see that they stay true. A bit of a Belichick style here in some ways. As some of the players they got, you know, guards. Okuda, slam dunk pick. I don't think they got serious interest to move up from number three. They probably would have been happy to. There was some talk that they were. Oh, that was for sale forever. <laughs> and there was some talk that there was a split in the uh, war room between Okuda and Derek Brown. So that even makes more sense. But they get Okuda, and you put this in with the Slay trade. They got a third and a fifth for Slay. So they save a lot of money going from Slay to Okuda. Maybe they don't lose that much in terms of play. Uh, Okuda, it's just a total alpha shutdown corner. Um and just skipping ahead to the fifth round, they got the guy that Okuda said was the best wide receiver he faced, Quintez Cephas. I'll talk a little more about him um, in a second. DeAndre Swift, kind of redundant. I don't necessarily agree that Swift is clearly better than Carryon Johnson. They're similar backs in that they're good at everything, not necessarily great at anything. Good all-around feature backs, interchangeable in a way. Is that going to really put this team over the top? Is, was that the missing piece? I guess with Carrion Johnson not being able to stay healthy, but uh, you know, again, do running backs matter? Uh, there's a lot of directions they could have gone with that pick, and I think for fantasy, it's not good for Swift. Uh, maybe two or three years down the line, maybe Carrion Johnson can't stay healthy. Swift really takes a stranglehold on this job, but I'm not sure about that. Julian Aquara and see, we're two teams in, and we're talking about two sets of brothers because Romeo, his brother, right. 
already playing for the Lions. It's a nice moment. Inquire is going to be a nice edge addition. They w- they would have loved to have gotten Chase Young. Didn't get Chase Young, but they did address the position. Uh, and, and then you got some guards, uh, Stenberg and Jackson. Maybe one of them will start. Maybe both of them will start. Quintez Cephas. For fantasy, you really have to take uh, notice of this pick, even though it's a fifth-round pick. Sure, he's not doesn't have straight-line speed. He knows how to separate. He knows how to separate with route running. He knows how to separate with change of speeds. He knows how to separate with physical play. He knows how to win at the catch point. He knows how to burst out of his stance and immediately get the drop on his opponent. He's a very skilled receiver. Marvin Jones isn't going to be on this team next year. He may not even be on this team in midseason. He may not be on the field in midseason if he can't stay healthy. Quintez Cephas is that guy that's going to start opposite Kenny Galladay. I, I see big things in his future. they got a speed back in Jason Huntley. I think that spells the end for Ty Johnson. And going back to the well on the third day, You know, got a nose tackle. Got a, you know, potentially someone who can rush from five technique there late on the third day. Uh, but it's kind of a treading water draft for the Lions. And it just makes me think, how long will this regime keep getting chances, uh, with a, really on the horizon, not big improvements, just trying to stay at the same level they were at, which maybe if Matthew Stafford comes back, that will mean a lot. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see uh, when they replace Matt Patricia. Because uh, yeah. you're just wasting your time, Detroit. I mean, just God's honest truth. You're just wasting your time. So let's talk about undrafted free agents. And, well, they got one that people thought would be drafted in Tynan Hunter Bryant. A couple of Washington guys fell in this draft uh, bloom. So Bryant yeah. was one of them. Doesn't have prototypical size because he's 6'2". And I feel so stupid with this pen in my ear. <laughs> Matt Patricia, please, for the love of God, Matt Patricia, stop. Uh, but Hunter Bryant, their scouting community says he's like Jordan Reed. Okay, fine. I get that. He's like a big slot receiver. Uh, he's not going to handle physicality well, but eh, he can scoot down that seam, catch some passes and uh, rip it down the middle there. So undrafted free agents for the Lions. Who do you like? Yeah, of course, Bryant is a big name here. Uh, yeah. I don't know if his knee issues maybe were part of the problem. He's a big slot receiver, basically, for fantasy. That's what we'd like at tight end. Of course, they have TJ Hawkinson, though. Uh, a seam ripper, not necessarily somebody who's going to be a route runner with you know, breaks to shake his guy, but maybe can outrun his guy. Bobby Price is interesting. Elite athleticism. They've uh, made uh, something out of Tracy Walker, and Price maybe can develop into the kind of player Walker has become a few years down the line. Jalen Elliott. They got as an undrafted free agent. And, uh, you know, this is somebody that had a good week at the senior bowl. Um, certainly has special teams value to potentially make the team. All right. This team definitely <laughs> got, we uh, should do a whole show on this one. Uh, yeah. It's Jordan Love going to the Green Bay Packers as we start talking about their draft. And this is something that. Packers insiders, I specifically think of our friend Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV. Aaron, what's up? And he had said a year ago, tweeted it out, even retweeted himself, which usually bloom. And that's one of my don't be that guys. Like, look at what I tweeted, everybody. Uh, You know, don't be that guy that retweets yourself. But he did it to point out like a year ago, he said, don't be surprised if Gutenkurs takes a quarterback next year. And they did. And they did in the first round, and it was Jordan Love. And I know the, you know, memes come in, the jokes come in. Well, Aaron Rodgers was asking for skill position, and they got one in Jordan Love. Now, just the God's honest truth about Jordan Love. He's not Pat Mahomes. Please, stop with that. He's not. 
Now, I'm a big fan of Love. Why did he fall off his final year at Utah State? He lost, uh, what, 10 guys on offense? 10, including Darwin Thompson, who went to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Doesn't that feel good, KC? So when you say, well, Jordan Love, look at those numbers, look at that decline. Yeah, he lost his coach. He lost his quarterback's coach. He lost 10 players on offense, like or nine players, whatever the number was. Like He lost almost everybody around him. Okay, saw him down at the Senior Bowl, super aggressive as a passer. Now, his mechanics are mwah, mwah, beautiful, a thing of beauty. If you're coaching up a quarterback, you say, throw like that. Do what he does. Uh, he's athletic, got the big arm, and again, Bloom, super aggressive. Got to rein it in just a little bit. Sometimes take what a defense gives you. So plenty to say here with Jordan Love. Plenty to say about now Aaron Rodgers and shaking his fist and Rodgers is pissed or Rodgers isn't pissed or sorry, Joe, or sorry, YouTube. Don't demonetize our video because I used a curse word. My God, weren't we all adults here anyway? <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started. Uh, Jordan Love there. Controversy abounds, Bloom. Can't wait to hear what you say. Big man, A.J. Dillon, up next, running back Boston College in round two, 250 pounds, two down banger between the tackles. That's what he is. Josiah. Uguara, tight end from Cincinnati, up next in the third round. Kamal Martin, linebacker, Minnesota in the fifth round. John Runyon Jr., guard. He played tackle at Michigan. Of course, John Runyon Sr. is his father. So I'm down at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, project guy. They're going to move him inside to guard. Jake Hansen, center, Oregon, round six. Another devil pick. Six, six round, three six rounders. Simon Stepaniak, guard from Indiana, round seven. Vernon Scott, DB at Texas Christian. And then Jonathan Garvin, edge from Miami, from the U, gets picked in the seventh round. This one's basically all about Jordan Love. Obviously, we'll spawn to the rest, Bloom. But let's talk about what this pick means for Aaron Rodgers. This is the Aaron Rodgers nightmare draft, right? I mean, this is the draft that if you were a writer, like a comedy writer, and you wanted to write a draft that would make Aaron Rodgers go crazy, well, this when you it. write, when you write, Bloom, you're just looking for conflict. Like, right. lots of conflict scene, here. Each scene in a movie needs to have conflict and a change yeah. in emotion. This one's got a lot of conflict and a lot of change in emotion. Um, we could talk about Jordan Love and, and look, obviously, if Jordan Love ends up hitting and being a 10 year start in the NFL quarterback, we'll look back and say, maybe we shouldn't have been so harsh. But when you take a quarterback in the first round, whether we could have seen it coming and I, there were, occasionally floated the idea that the Packers would be interested in love and maybe they would take him at number 30. When you take a quarterback in the NFL in the year of our Lord 2020, that guy's going to start during his rookie contract. Okay. With the new fully guaranteed fifth year options, that means you got to start him in year three, right? You don't want to decide whether you're going to pay. See, what's the fifth year option going to be three years from now for a quarterback? 25 million, 30 yeah, million. Like that. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't want to decide to commit 25 or $30 million to a quarterback if you haven't seen him play. So love has to start by year three. Okay. The Rogers contract, they can get out with not that bad of cap pain after two years, but you're making a decision to blow up your franchise. When you take Jordan love in the first round, especially when you move up to take him, you're making a decision to blow up your franchise. You're saying that there's an expiration date on our franchise with Aaron Rodgers as the starting quarterback. This is not like the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation where Favre was making noise about potentially retiring before that season. Okay. Uh, that's a big decision. That's a really, really big decision. 
especially when you were in the NFC title game a year ago. That's what you decide to do with this draft is say, well, we're planning for the post Aaron Rodgers future. Now I get it. You might be so smitten with Jordan Love that you just feel like, wow, we're not going to be picking in the top five or top 10. We can get a franchise quarterback. Let's do it. But you're making a massive, massive decision. And now we can start thinking about who's Aaron Rodgers going to play for next. Will it be the Bears? Will it be the Patriots? Will it be the Broncos? Uh, lots of interesting things. Maybe it's two years from now. Maybe it's next year after the season. Uh, I, I know that that from a cap point of view would be bad for them. But look, Aaron Rodgers sees the writing on the wall, sees more and more players are taking control of destiny. Rob Gronkowski, first and foremost, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is a big enough player in terms of stature to take control of his destiny. If he goes to the team and says, I want to be traded next offseason, whatever the cap hit, they're going to have to trade him. Okay, it's fine, fine. Team was in the NFC title game. You can say, Jordan Love, potential franchise quarterback, we see it, because they were trying to move up before the number 26 pick. They were trying to move up to Minnesota's pick. They were afraid New England was going to take him. So they obviously had a very high-grade, high-valuation of Love. They were really, really desperate to get him. Okay, fine, we turn the page. Running back? A limited running back? A running back? A.J. Dillon is a good two-down banger. When you have Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, who's going to be a free agent next year, and I get it, you don't necessarily want to pay a running back on a second contract. But now again, you basically have ensured you're not bringing Aaron Jones back. The organization has now made a first and a second round pick the year after going to the NFC title game that isn't going to make the team any better. Isn't going to make the team any better. That's like a magic trick. Third round pick. Okay. Dequire is a nice player. They want him to be a Kyle Juszczyk. All right. I mean, talk that there's going to be more emphasis on the running game, which again, make up your mind. You know, are you going to build around this amazing quarterback or are you going to have a, run, a grinded out running team, which doesn't necessarily need, you can win with a Kirk Cousins type if you have a grinded out running team. And then we turn the page to the rest of the day, the rest of their draft. Uh, I mean, I don't know, some backup offensive lineman. Garvin, that last round pick, he can be a, a developmental edge rusher. That's interesting. They have a great edge rushing group, though. Okay, what about the run defense? Cease, you saw what Baltimore did when Tennessee ran over them. What did Baltimore right. do, right? What did they do to improve their run defense? Wide receiver. The best wide receiver class. I mean, okay, they got Devin Funches in free agency. The best wide receiver class we've seen in at least five years. They get zero wide receivers. And again, putting a punctuation mark on it, and I'm not saying that players should dictate your draft. Brandon Rogers said, we haven't taken an offensive skill player in the first round in 15 years. That'd be kind of fun. And they only take one in the whole draft, not even in the whole draft. Cornerback depth, zero, zero. This team completely failed at self-scouting, completely failed at looking at what were some of the things that would get them one step closer when they were one step away from the Super Bowl. They decided to go into rebuilding mode. I don't understand this draft. I feel for Packers fans having to digest this for a few months before training camp opens. Well, the NFL draft language of the NFL is money bloom, right? We've said it for years and years and years. Here's exactly what the Packers did. (laughs) I'll use a different one for the kitties out there, but yeah, that's exactly what they did to Aaron Rodgers. You didn't even look up. You didn't look up. I rolled it up. I rolled it down. 
But that's what they did. So, you know, they sent a message. Message received. Let's talk about undrafted guys for the Green Bay Packers. Patrick Taylor jumps out to me. Of course, the other back from Memphis, the big back, the rigid back, the tall and upright back, and certainly not what Gibson Antonio is. Uh, But Taylor is a patient runner. He's got some swiftness to his game. He's large, but he doesn't necessarily run with that uh, power you would associate with a man his size. But interesting name to watch out for in the backfield in that mix. So Green Bay UDFA's Bloom, who did you like? They Taylor, obviously, maybe practice squad player, not a high ceiling running back. Again, running back is a position they don't have any problems with, but certainly a name that stands out. Uh, Mark Antoine uh, Decoy. Super athletic safety from Canada. The, you know, just prototype athleticism. So that's a name to uh, track in the future. They got Daryl Stewart. They did get a wide receiver, uh, undrafted, but I'm, um, you know, a project maybe. Um, yeah. Sorry, Packers fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Final team to talk about. And we're going to do these by division just in case you're joining us. Cause I see in the chat room reacting to me. There's some people talking about, like, what about Jalen Hurts? Like, we'll get there. We're going to get there. Uh, in fact, tomorrow, Bloom, right? Never eat sour wheat. So, yeah, yeah, we'll meet in the East tomorrow. We're doing the North today. So, NFC North right now. We'll take a little break. We'll be back for the AFC North. We're going to talk about the Steelers. We'll talk about our beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. But, Bloom, before we go, we got to talk about Minnesota and what they did. And here you go, Minnesota. First round, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, somewhere Aaron Rodgers is like, could have used that guy. <laughs> Can't move up. Can't go grab him. Uh, but the Vikings with uh, some movement there in the first round, of course, because they had Buffalo's pick from Stephon Diggs. They basically replaced Diggs with Justin Jefferson, who is, in my opinion, the best contested catch receiver in this class. In my opinion, he's also a slot-only receiver because two years ago when he was outside at LSU, he was not so very good. Not as good as certainly was. Last year, when they moved him in the slot, got him off the line of scrimmage quickly and cleanly, and he was able to thrive. In fact, he was able to dominate. So Justin Jefferson there, you know, worked in in with Alan, Adam Thielen, a fantastic move there. Jeff Gladney, Texas Christian corner. He's got some feistiness to his game. Ezra Cleveland, round two. I always love the mock drafts. Bloom, we get this like at the Senior Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. The What, the day after the Senior Bowl, Josh Jones was a top 10 pick. I was like, Oh my God, he wasn't a top. He was never a top 10 pick. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, whatever the people wanted, the Cleveland Cleveland jersey and all the Browns, they might move back to like 15 and get Ezra Cleveland. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. He was never graded that high ever. Even if there's a fire, Ezra Cleveland, second round pick, fine, technically sound, not athlete, you know, overly athletically gifted, but very technically sound, very smart player. Cameron Dantzler. I was kind of hoping the Broncos would get him cornerback Mississippi State. He's got length. He's got burst to the ball. He's the third-round pick for the Vikings. DJ Wanham, edge South Carolina in the fourth round. James Lynch, defensive end Baylor. Troy Dye, linebacker Oregon in the fourth round, coverage guy. Then in the fifth round, a couple of picks. Harrison Hand, cornerback Temple. K.J. Osborne, wide receiver from the U. Sixth round, two picks. Blake Brandell, guard Oregon State. Josh Middleis, safety Michigan. Seventh round. Four picks, Kenny Willicks, defensive end, Michigan State, Nate Stanley, cornerback, quarterback from Iowa, of course, Brian Cole, safety, Mississippi State, and Kyle Hinton, 
guard from Washburn. So lots of picks, Bloom, lots of help for the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of picks, most picks of any team in the draft. You start out basically trading Stephon Diggs for Justin Jefferson, different receivers, different kinds of receivers. I, I thought that Rager, who went one pick ahead of them to Philadelphia, would have been a better fit for the vacancy that Stephon Diggs leaves. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen have some of the same hot zones of the right. field yep. in their game. Um, you just wonder where some sort of vertical threat is going to come in in this two tight end offense. They trade down from 25 to 31. They still get Jeff Gladney, who should start right away. Remember, this team lost their top three corners uh, this offseason. So Gladney, hard-nosed, uh, outside corner, press corner. Again, these corners, they're going to start right away. You want to know their names for IDP leagues. Ezra Cleveland, this is a great pick for them. And one of the things we saw play out, Cease, that was a pre-draft narrative was pick 25 or so to pick 60, pretty level. Yeah. You know, n- names going in the 40s, 50s, 60s that we could have seen in the 20s, 30s, and we wouldn't even blink an eye. Ezra Cleveland, one of those names. What are the things you love about Ezra Cleveland? And Cease, I know because you know the Kubiak system so well. The, the footwork, the athleticism to get out wide in that zone running game. You love this. Excellent fit here. They get Cam Dantzler, uh, you know, another corner who's very, think Xavier Rhodes, right? Like not, and Rhodes had some straight line speed. That's the question about Dantzler, straight line speed, but very physical, very handsy, frustrating, <laughs> you know. Uh, I really liked the pick of James Lynch. Uh, you know, this is a guy that is just very productive. I liked it a lot better than DJ Wanham. A uh, guy that Lynch is very productive, creates uh, uh, opportunities can play multiple spots on the line. Troy Dye, uh, a lot like Eric Wilson, very athletic, potential three down linebacker, bit of a redundancy there. Uh, Harrison Hand might play safety, might play corner. KJ Osborne, I think they got because he's a punt returner and maybe he can develop into a receiver, but again, his hot zone is probably in the slot. All right. Uh, again, there's so many picks to go out here. They got a good pass blocker in Brandle, uh, another Metellus, another uh, developmental safety, uh, somebody with some uh, versatility. Uh, Wilk is, is a really interesting guy from Michigan State. I mean, kind of one of those guys you want to have on your side in a street fight. Yeah. You know, can give you some uh, good reps there. Nate Stanley, big, big arm. I think that uh, Lance Deerline compared him to Mason Rudolph, which – He's a seventh round pick, Steelers. Uh, you know, <laughs> d- developmental quarterback. Um, uh, you know, they get a, a, a another a, a division two lineman and Hinton. You know, actually, some of the seventh round picks, all th- these picks they had on the third day, Brian Cole, hyper athletic safety. You know, I mean, there's some potential here. Uh, it's kind of a scattershot. What you, you love their first round and second round, and then we'll see, uh, because I still think that. There's some dimensions missing from this offense. They're reloading in the defensive backfield, so that's good. Uh, I mean, the best thing probably that happened for Minnesota, for everyone in this division, was what Green Bay did. I don't necessarily see them catching up to Green Bay as much as Green Bay coming back to the pack. Well, let's talk about those undrafted free agents and our guy Josh H2O's tackling fuel. Yeah. Courtney Davis, one of my favorite guys uh, mm-hmm. in terms of late-round receivers, of course, picked up his UDFA. Vikings gave him 100 k guaranteed. 
Oof. Okay. Yeah. Well, when you look at strength from the slot position, when you guy that can rip away contested passes, Bloom, you know, I always talk about quarterback favorites that square their shoulders to the line of scrimmage, make yourself the biggest target, find a soft spot in the zone, come back to the football. All of these things, little things can make you a quarterback's favorite. So Courtney Davis, certainly with that money and Bloom, just with his game, a player to watch. Yeah, for some reason, I have like my favorite. I've been listening to too much Coltrane, my favorite things, you know. Squaring your shoulders to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> These are a few of my favorite wide receiver things. Now, Courtney Davis, again, a solid player. We'd have been drafted in the fifth, sixth round. No one would have blinked at that. A slot, a good, hard-nosed, solid slot receiver. Not mm-hmm. that quick, not that fast, but dependable. Is that what they need? Another guy they gave 100000 to, by the way, Neville Clark, Mike Yu's teammate from UCF in the defensive backfield. So that's another name to see if they can get something out of that. A lot more teams are giving some big bonuses up front to undrafted free agents this year. I like big bonuses, and I cannot lie. Yes, these are the jokes, everybody. It's still <laughs> early, but here's the thing. We're going to take a little break. We're going to be back like five minutes. So chat room, just hang out with us. Let's talk some more football because it is our 2020 NFL Draft recap here on the Audible. See Salami Sigmund Bloom going around... The National Football League talking about all these teams, giving you our opinions on these draft classes, and of course the undrafted free agents as well. So we did the NFC North. Now it's time for the AFC North. And why? Kind of fell in love with what the Bengals did. That's next. Cecil uh, has been sitting on his haunches, resting on his laurels, 